What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Houck, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Ryan McNichols here, host of the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 19th. We're in the middle of March Madness right now. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Houck. Hey, what's up, everybody? And our producer, Mike Coyle. Yeah, we got no mics. Let's go. I was going to bring that up and mention that. We're official out here now. Yeah, we're almost like a real podcast. If you're noticing, the audio is a little bit better, a little bit different, uh, a little more evened out. We can actually hear Rich and me equally. That's because we upgraded our system here. We've got two brand new podcasting microphones and nice little, what is that thing called again? It's an audio interface to connect them into the computer thank you that's i wish there'd be something simpler to call that but that's pretty you know that's pretty standard about time we joined the the 21st century here you know start recording on one mic all right well like i said we're in the middle of march madness i didn't really do any brackets no i didn't do any brackets not i didn't really i didn't do any brackets (sighs) because i was so focused burn them all dude burn them all i'm in a glass case of emotion Unless you got Alabama or Houston, who are like the two top dogs that are left. UCLA too is a two seed, but you know all the a lot of the big picks yeah, yeah, got cooked. Purdue going down, Kansas going down. I wish I would have done them. Arizona, I, you know. I usually do things like that where I just pick upsets every so often. I just arbitrarily decide one team's going to upset another for no reason. Even like you know, someone tell me what was it? Is that like the second time like a first? Uh, a 16th seed or whatever is upset a first seed or yeah, something like the that. second time in history. Yeah, so that's I'll, I, I'll pick that randomly in a bracket at points, and people are like, you know, that's really like not going to happen, right? And I was like, hey, but if it does, this is the only bracket that's going to make it, you know? Yeah, yeah that's, but, it's Morris. It's crazy. Anything can happen. It's, it's, it's funny. I was helping uh, – Nate asked me to help him fill out a bracket, and we're going through, and he immediately picked Princeton to beat Arizona, and I talked him out of it. And sure enough, Princeton beat Arizona. Yeah. Like, I can imagine the daggers. He's glaring at you. Yep. Busted his bracket. Yeah, he wasn't happy. But, he, you know, he could predict it. Yeah, hard to predict. Like I said, I didn't really do too much of it. I was focused really on what's going on in free agency, which we'll get into in our uh, next podcast at some point. And I was also taking a look at these rookies we got coming up in the 2023 draft here. Because I got some picks this upcoming draft. I've got 102 overall in our Dynasty League. So, need to take an intimate look at these guys. Yeah. Gotta, uh, gotta uh, be well informed before making that decision. Alright, so we're gonna do what we did last time. And we're gonna go through a couple of prospects here. Not as many as we did in the last episode. Just got five prospects for you today that we're gonna go through. I'll start off since I've got three and you've only got two. That way, so, I'll I'll go bounce to you. Or do you have something? Okay. No, no. I was just gonna say you got a you have a running back, uh, a wide receiver, and a tight end. Correct. I have a running back and a wide receiver. So why don't we? Uh, you want to start with the running back? Whichever we can start at wide receiver, or yeah, we just go every other, you know, and then go to running back or. Okay. So I'll start off then with uh, wide receiver. I looked at was Jonathan Mingo, out of Ole Miss interesting reading scouting reports on this guy because they were all over the place when I'm looking at the other scouting reports out there. 
Because, you know, that's one of the things you got to do. You do have to see what other people think about guys and what their scouting report is, kind of get a feel for them, especially us who's newer and we don't really know too much and can't, don't have much access to game tape. You got to trust some of the more professional scouts out there. But the problem was these scouting reports were just inconsistent with what they could or could not, what he could or could not do, essentially. I have some saying that he's really good against press coverage off the line, some saying he's bad. Some saying that he lacks any twitch. Some saying that he has good twitch, especially for somebody of his size. There are people that say he had a diverse route tree and he lined up all over the place there at Old Miss. And then there are other people that said they didn't really think he had too much of a route tree. So it was just really all over the place as far as like the typical scouting reports. One of the things that was pretty much consistent was that he's used he wasn't really the focus of the offense. He was used more as like a secondary piece. He was, did a lot to block or create you know, his routes were to create space for his teammates. They had a lot of weapons there at Old Miss. He also had inconsistent quarterback play. And, you know, in 2021, he had Matt Corral as his quarterback. And this past year, forget who these guys were two uh, alternating to. Uh, I believe one was Jackson Dart. Yes, Dart, I remember. And the second one is escaping me at the moment. Yeah. But so, yeah, not the greatest of throwers of the football. No, and then the problem Matt too. Corral, Matt Corral was decent last the past season, but Dart left some uh, some uh, room for uh, improvement there. Again, in addition to be using as a secondary piece of the offense, some of the other things that were kind of agreed upon were that you know he does need to improve on his route running. He's not a really refined route runner. Uh, a lot of the critics said that he is a bit of a body catcher and he doesn't really possess elite speed. So those were kind of the things that were consistent criticisms of him. Some good things about him, he's got good size for the wide receiver position. About six one and a half, two hundred and twenty pounds. So decent size for a wide receiver. He ran a four four six and you know had a, a one five four split time for the forty yard dash. And then he tested well in the broad and the vert jump. He had a thirty nine and a half vertical jump which was one of the highest ones out there, you know, only an inch behind guys like Quentin Johnson, who I believe, and, you know, one and a half behind Bryce Ford Wheaton, the two highest that there were for the wide receivers. So he showed explosiveness. He showed that he does have speed. He ran a four four six, so he does have speed. And again, this is where I want to say, when I watched the tape, one of the games that I watched was him against Tulane in 2021. I did, I did see some big plays where he ran past he ran past some people. He had like two 28 to 30 yard catches. Or I'm sorry. He had one catch that was somewhere between 28 to 30 yards. Then he had a 50 yard touchdown catch where he just he blew by guys. You know, he ran past just straight go route down the field, ran past the corner. Uh, Matt Corral did, you know, some of his eyes to fake out the safety he was supposed to be giving help, and he just burnt both the dudes down the field for a touchdown. So. He did have two drops in that game. One was a bad drop. The other one was, like, bounced off his hands, was, like, gunned to him, and it didn't seem like he was really expecting it. So that was, you know, a criticism of his as well as he needs to improve his hands. But when I watched him in 2022, I watched him against Georgia Tech and Arkansas. So in Georgia Tech, I did see him go and use his hands a lot. He wasn't as much of a body catcher as I felt like I saw when I was watching him in Tulane in 2021. So I did feel like he was actually going up and plucking the ball out of the air with his hands. And then against Arkansas, he looked good. He had a, you know, he had this one catch. It was a 36-yard catch. The ball was underthrown. I believe it was Dart who threw it. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But 
this ball, when I say this ball hit the receiver in the back, hit the, not the receiver, the cornerback in the back, it hit, was going to hit the cornerback in the back. He had beat his corner. He was beating him down the field. The ball is underthrown. It's essentially about to hit the corner in the back. He reaches around over top with one hand and the side with the other and grabs that ball like while he's bear hugging that corner and comes away with that ball and completes that t- catch for a 36 yard. A little while later, he's running down the field. He's got double coverage. He's got a little space on the safety with the corner behind him. One hand catches his ball that comes down, with his, just drops right into his hand, pulls it in. 50-some yard touchdown catch right there. Or I'm sorry, 51-yard catch. wasn't for a touchdown, but it was just it was impressive, especially when you hear that one of the things is that he's a body catcher, and then you see two plays like that, and you're like, oh, it looks like he can catch with his hands. So... And then going back to the Senior Bowl in the Combine, again, just a lot of the things that there were critiques of were about his speed, explosiveness, and his body catching. And when you watch him at the Senior Bowl, he stood out. And then again at the Combine, he tested well in the areas that you had questions about. So the reports when I was looking at him, like I said, were all over the place. He was anywhere from a second to a fifth-round pick, depending on you know whose site you were looking at. So I think where he goes will tell you a lot about him. But he, he seems like he has a lot of potential. So... He's a guy that I think you can grab later on in your dynasty draft that will, depending on where he goes, turn out to be a pretty decent wide receiver. He could operate as like a big slot wide receiver, essentially, kind of like a Cooper Cup sort of role is basically what they're saying. Obviously not to the extent of Cooper Cup, but okay. a role like that is kind of what everybody was comping him to. So same kind of thing they were saying about like Drake London last year and all of that, if you're looking for a more similar comp. And then body-wise, they described him similarly to Debo Samuel. That was his wide receiver comp I saw for. That's interesting. Okay. He's a decent-sized guy in the way they played him. So he's, you know, great after the catch. Uh, he's really physical when he runs with the ball, and he's good at making moves and getting upfield and, like I said, creating yards after the catch. So that's what they say is similar to him and Debo Samuel, is that if you can just get him the ball in space and let him go off. Then, let him work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Someone to keep, uh, worth keeping an eye on then, right? Yep. Like okay. I said, see where he goes in the draft because people are saying anywhere from the second to a fifth round pick, a lot of people seem to be leaning more towards the third round, seem to be closer to the consensus, and depending on what team he goes to and their needs and who's available for them, he could be okay. a part of the offense. And he's also a really good blocker, so he he could stay on a team and work his way up by being on special teams or being out there to block for a team that might be run heavy or something like maybe the Atlanta Falcons take another bigger wide receiver right. and have him out there to help block. Baltimore. There you go. Baltimore. You know, it's just having that trait that helps. It keeps you on the field, keeps you around. It keeps you in the locker room. That's everything I got on Jonathan Mingo. We want to jump over to your wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took a look at Josh Downs, a wide receiver from North Carolina. Um, you know, the scouting reports weren't as like um, as wide as they were uh, with uh, Mingo, like you were mentioning. Um, they're a lot more narrow. Kind of, kind of is what he is. You know, um, does have some questions. Um, the strengths, from what I saw, um, I watched two games of his um, 2021 um, when they played Notre Dame and 2022 the ACC championship against Clemson and man the production is off the charts yeah yeah he didn't play much his freshman season he only played in three games had 100 yards and then after that his next two seasons 
tore it up. He had 2,300 yards and 19 touchdowns over the last two seasons. So the production's there. Athleticism is very good. Um, he's very quick, and he's got good long speed. Um, he's He gets very good separation. He's open. He's got great footwork, uh, quick and effective cuts coming in and out of his breaks. And surprisingly for his frame, um, being only 5'9 and about 170 pounds, he's got good catch toughness with the contested catches. Um, he fights. Um, he's strong. He plays bigger than his size. Now with the weaknesses comes with us saying is his frame. 5'9", 170, um, smaller guy. Um, he did have some uh, some struggle beating press coverage that was on the tape. And like you had mentioned with Mingo, and we, we talked about run blocking, um, down struggles with it a bit. Makes sense when you're a smaller wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. There's a few times on tape where it's not that he's not willing. It's just, you know he kind of gets gets moved around a bit. Um, now that can, that can be coached up with some t- technique, and when he adds uh, a little bit more strength to his frame when he gets to in an NFL weightlifting program, but that could be a problem. Now, as terms of uh, role-wise, he projects as a, as a starting slot um, that could you know potentially kick outside on in certain situations. Um, Comp-wise, um, some stuff that I saw, um, Lance Zerline, NFL.com, had him uh, comp as Kadarius Tony. I watch, I see, I'm not saying he's going to be this, but I see some shades of Antonio Brown. Smaller frame guy who's athletic, who's fast, can make plays, make guys miss. Uh-oh. I'm not saying he's going to be that. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying Josh Downs is the next Antonio Brown. That's not what I'm saying. Just saying that when I see it, I can see bits and pieces of his game in Josh Downs. Um, now, NFL draft-wise, it's looking like he's probably going to go second, third round. In terms of dynasty drafts, you're probably looking at a late first, early second round guy here. Um, who I like, who I'm in on, I'm interested. Have, have you guys uh, you guys know any, much about him, or was this your first little no. I, introduction I saw to him. him. Uh, I saw some posts about. Uh, I read like some article about him the other day, but uh, it was still so early that I wasn't sure where. Like, I, I was like, I'm, there, there was still so much stuff that had to happen with free agency, and uh, I, yeah, here we go. We'll, we'll try one of these. Still a lot of stuff that was going on with free agency, so. I wasn't really sure about where that would fall out, um, and then obviously we still have the draft. So, but it was, it was definitely um, it had a lot of clicks and a lot of uh, interaction in there. So people were looking at him for sure. Yeah, just to to wrap it up on downs there, I mentioned the two games, um, twenty twenty one against Notre Dame. He torched them. <laughs> I mean, I picked, uh, looked at those two games um, specifically. Against good competition, um, Notre Dame is a pretty good defensive squad. He was up near 140 yards against them. Um, they, he was a problem for them to stop. Now Notre Dame would, did, did win the game, and um, but Josh Downs was a problem, and you could see it. Next year, I watched uh, when they played Clemson in the ACC championship. Uh, North Carolina got waxed. Clemson beat the brakes off them. But Josh Downs was effective again. Nine catches, 100 yards, and he just showed you that he can work the underneath. And he did it against Clemson, who's, you know, yearly putting dudes in the NFL from their defense. So he can do it against the against the best competition, guys who are going to be at the next level. Mm. So I, I was encouraged by what I saw on tape. Um, there's a guy who, you know, you, if you watch college football, you've known about him for 
a little bit from, you know, Sam Howe. If you did any scouting on him previously, you know, uh, Downs played with Howe the previous year. Um, but, yeah, the more you watch, the more you, you like him as a prospect. Yep, and according to PFF, he was 75% on contested catch rate, so that's really good. For One of the top yeah. there among wide receivers last year in college football. And they also, well, just to give you a reference, he lined up 81% of the time in the slot in college, so that's going to be his role at the NFL level. So, again, this is something we had talked about kind of before where there's that split between wide receivers it could be a wide receiver one for a team versus a slot wide receivers and at what point do you take a guy who's more guaranteed to be a slot wide receiver versus a guy who could break out and be a team's like one wide receiver one so like one of those things you know we were talking and it's like if you're looking at like just i'll pick two guys at the top look that we talked about before is uh quentin johnson and then who's the other who's the shorter wide receiver that we talked about Addison? no was it, was it jordan addison I have it right Zay here. Zay Flowers? It was Zay Flowers, yeah. So if we look at it like that, where it's like, if you're splitting it into like percentages of what's going to happen, the reason you go with one of those smaller guys or that they grade it higher is because like from an NFL level, it's one of those things where it's like, they'll have like a 15% chance to emerge as the team's number one wide receiver, but then they'll have a 75% chance to maintain a role as the team's wide receiver two in the slot. And then a 10% chance that, you know, they drop out to like the third wide receiver or not a, you know, not a starter. And then somebody like Quentin Johnson might have something more of like where he's got, you know, a 40% chance to be the team's wide receiver one, a 20% chance to settle in as a wide receiver two, but then a 40% chance also to be a wide receiver three or a non-starter on an NFL team. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the difference is a greater chance that they emerge as a wide receiver one, but also a greater chance that they're non-relevant or irrelevant, non-relevant. Uh, opposed to one of those slot wide receivers who fits all the profiles, who's going to settle in as who's like you said, going to settle in as a wide receiver too at the NFL and have production for you. It's just a matter of the ceiling being not as high. So, just wanted to bring that up because again, he was one of the guys that I group into that category. So, I know we talked about that before, but we'll move on to running back position now. Went with a little bit more of a known guy here. So, you know, Jonathan Mingo, a little bit uh, less known, probably going to go a little later. He wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. I'm, uh, running back I'm looking at is Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. Tank. <laughs> Scooter Smallsby. Scooter Smallsby. What a name, though. Like, that's an awesome name for a running back. Can we just start there? Great name for a running back. I mean, it, what would you rather be called if you're going to be a running back than Tank? Scooter Smallsby. <laughs> Scooter Smallsby. Yeah, I think I'd rather prefer Tank. I'm going to go with Tank. (laughs) All right, so the good thing about Tank's Bigsby is his build lives up to his name. He's got got a good size for NFL wide receiver or NFL running back here. I apologize. Six foot, 204 pounds, came in at the combine that ran a 4.56. So not particularly fast or long speed, but. He's got some explosiveness to him. Again, this is one of those things where you look at the numbers and you get a little spoiled because there's some other running back here with some really good numbers, but he still had really good testing at the NFL Combine. He's just on the border of all the thresholds you want to see for your running back. A lot of production at the college level. 
He likes to keep his feet moving. He tends to be one of those guys that always manages to gain yards by falling forward. You know what I mean? He's just always, even when he's going down, he manages to just keep driving his feet and get that extra two, three yards at the end there. Keeps the legs turning, yeah. He's got really good vision and patience, and he's really good with making cuts, and he's got a nice bit of burst despite his uh, testing of the combine, maybe not suggesting as much. He does lack that elite speed, and he wasn't really used as a pass catcher at the college level, so it was hard to get a real feel for that on him. And then one of the things that I did notice a lot was that he does he runs high. Like, he doesn't really get low. He runs high a lot, and that can lead to him getting tackled or tripped up easier than it would be if he kind of lowers his shoulders. So, watched him in two, uh, three games last season. So, 2022 against Ole Miss. He had a lot of breakaway plays. He had a lot of... Like uh, I think it was like two or three 40 to 60 yard runs in that game and so he has the speed where he gets to the second level and he hits that burst and he gets that breakaway play but the problem is he does usually get run down and caught from behind at some point he did have one of those go for a touchdown but it's one of those things where he's not slow but one of those safeties or corners with some speed is going to eventually catch him down the field if they're too far gone but he's got that chance like you said to break off for a 40 60 yard run here and there Watch him at Texas A&M. That's where I really noticed that he runs high. That was pretty obvious when you looked at that tape, and you could see it pretty much just every time. He just wasn't getting low at all and lowering his shoulders. He also had a fumble in that game. Played against Alabama in 2022 as well. He had this really good play where essentially there was a free rusher who came at him when he got the handoff, and he juked him in the backfield, and then that guy was trying to get him two other dudes. Essentially, there's three Alabama defenders in the backfield and he breaks away from him turns into a positive play and I believe got a first down on that so it's really nice you could see he's really good at making cuts both laterally and vertically so he can one of those guys where he's shifting and he can string together a couple of cuts to make several people miss at the same time like he did on that play to get to the outside he does need to like I said get lower in short yarded situations I think that's something he's going to need to work on at the NFL level it might prevent him from like it's going to be hard I know he like I said he always likes to fall forward but it'd be it's going to be harder at the NFL level to do that where the defensive players are bigger and you want to see him get lower when you're at the goal line in those scrums and things as opposed to just trying to fall forward over that pile, which isn't going to happen. Yeah, not at the NFL. You go up, upright, you're going to get pushed back. Definitely going to have to get lower and create more leverage. But I think he'll settle in as a solid starter for an NFL team that wants to run the ball a lot. We'll see. His passing game you know, volume and work remains to be seen because, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of that. When he was thrown to it, on the few plays that I saw, he had decent hands. So we'll see what he emerges at the NFL level as far as that's concerned. That'll really determine his ceiling. But he might be one of those guys that has like maybe a Damian Harris type role, maybe a little bit better, a little more power, I think, and explosiveness than Damian Harris. Okay. All right. Solid profile. I'm a big fan of Tank. Did you have a another running back you think might be a better comp or um was damian harris do you think inappropriate no i I don't necessarily think it was inappropriate inappropriate Uh, or appropriate inappropriate okay um i i think that's that's fair i think that's fair i think he may he may have a little bit more burst and go than damian harris does but it's you know similar style runners that's kind of what i was getting at and like you see like you said mike it's always 
hard to try to compare people. You compare them based off their body type or how they were used in the right. offense or how they, you know, how they play themselves so when they're in the offense. Individually, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. All right, that's everything so, I had on Tanks Bigsby. All right, we'll keep it moving. Um, the next running back, uh, the one I took a look at, Israel Abanakanda mm-hmm. from Pitt. Is electric is the first word that comes to mind when I was watching and reading about Izzy, as they call him. Man, talk about a profile that makes you get a little bit giddy about, and you're like, ooh, all right, hopefully people sleep on this guy so I can pick him up in Dynasty Drafts. But, um, yeah, man, so he had an absolutely monster season this past year. The first year he was as the lead back. Last year he was the change of pace, and he had a good season. He was up around 600 yards as the, the secondary running back. This year as the main running back, he went off. He only had two games last year under 100 yards. Every other game he was over, and sometimes well over. At 177, he had an absolute monster game on Virginia Tech. He took Virginia Tech to the woodshed by himself and, and, <laughs> and put him down. 320 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. Oh, and it's I just getting the, the production's there. You get into some of the strengths that you see on tape. 36 carries, huh? Yeah. And he went for 320 yards. He killed him. Did Virginia Tech have an offense? How did they afford to hand him third, the ball 36 yeah. times? Virginia Tech was not very good last year. <laughs> They normally have a pretty solid defensive team. The offense is really, really eh. They like to run the ball, slow it down. They'll play that style, it rely on their defense. Not do a good job. Uh, no, 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 no. Wow. This is on real stat line. Yeah, you're looking at the game logs. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So in terms of strengths, you're looking at um, his vision is, is very good. Um, he finds the holes. He gets through them. But um, what I saw a lot that, that, I, that I liked was he locates cutback lanes. He always has that vision. He knows where, okay, I can slip this way and get through and find an explosive play. Um, he has great acceleration. When he gets the ball. It looks like he's shot out of a cannon. Like he just get it, boom, he's gone. Um, he's got good contact balance to stay up through contact. Um, and he's got great escapability. You know, you, you put him around. It, it, sometimes it's like little shades of LaShawn McCoy. Where he's like, how how did how how did he just get out away from that guy? They, hold on, they had him dead to right in the backfield. That doesn't make sense. How he just got eight yards. And you know, with all these strikes, they do come some weaknesses. Um, occasionally, he's still got to work on his timing with feeling out his blocks. You'll see him outrun the blocker. You know, we mentioned he has good vision to get through the hole. Sometimes he sees it and he wants to go but he needs to hesitate for a half a second to let his block get out in front of him to get that guy so he can really, instead of getting, you know, 10, 12 yards, he can get for 30 or 40 or even be gone. You know what I'm saying? So a um, little area that, that could be coached, that could be worked on. That's not a major thing. But the one that may limit him a bit is his pass protection. Not good. Aww. Not good. Left, left a lot to be desired. Um, there could be a problem that could keep him off the field on third downs for sure. At this stage, like absolutely, it's something that like is a major needs to be worked on majorly. Um, in terms of uh, future role, I see for uh, Izzy, I, I see a profile of a lead back. You know, he wasn't asked to catch a lot of passes in college, but um, this past season he had twelve for one forty six and a touchdown. 
Um, he had a he finished with about 25 or so for his career. So he showed he was capable. He just wasn't asked to do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, if you're talking about it, the team can it would be very happy to have him as a lead back, in my opinion. It, yeah. it's very explosive. I mean, he can go. It's, you get that pass protection worked on and keep him on the field. He profiles like he can handle three uh, three downs but once that pass protection is cleaned up. Um, in terms of a comp, um, very similar build and, you know, height, weight, and, you know, speed combination to Isaiah Pacheco. Okay. Very, very similar. I I tend to believe that uh, Abanaconda is going to be higher than a seventh-round pick. I see him going, you know, third, maybe fourth round, second, potentially. You know, he didn't he didn't really um, – he didn't do anything at the combine. No, and so, Pitt's pro day isn't until, I think, March 19th or 20th, something like that, because he was one of the guys I was trying to find more about, too, because right. I'd heard about him through other, you know, shows and all that I'm listening to. I'd heard him mentioned as a guy, but – like you said, he didn't do anything on the combine so, uh, yet, so there's not really a whole lot right. of testing to kind of persuade, you know, make you feel better or worse about some of the things you were concerned about. So we'll see where he tests, yeah, and how he looks, and not that that's it, everything. Like you said, he's really productive and all that. And again, the big thing with him is going to be the pass catching and where he gets drafted and all that. But uh, he was one of those guys that I was considering looking at. And it was hard. I was debating on whether or not to do them but then uh like you said uh i mean the more we get into these you know these second third fourth tier running backs the more i think i don't have enough second round picks <laughs> like like man we start we, we talk about we were, i was starting to, to to like quite a bit of them i don't know about you guys i mean, might be looking to acquire some more seconds here before the draft oh who has those Who's got seconds? Anybody got we, seconds? We might have seconds. <laughs> Let's work a deal out. Let's get it Dude. done. Can we get an on-the-air trade done? Is that possible? Dude, one of these days, we got to have a guest. Now that we have all these mics, we can get a get a guest. And then we can execute a trade, see how it's done. Live. Work through a trade live mm-hmm. on the air. Maybe we just phone in one of the guys. Hold the phone up to the microphone while we try to negotiate a trade with him. That sounds on, like on the podcast. a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no yeah i don't know that we're gonna get a tr- trade so like i said values are too far apart i am trying to scheme something at the moment like you said it's gonna be hard i really need to see the draft and i need to see where certain guys go to determine whether or not i'm gonna be interested there's like i said with the running backs it was hard because again with some of the testing of some of them i just underestimated some of the other players based off of, like, how good the testing was for certain players, like, you know, obviously Bajan Robinson, but also, like, Zach Charbonnet and Chase Brown, Tajay Spears. But the other guys tested well, especially for the running back position. Want to take a deeper look at them, which is why I try to do a little bit. I like how we did this, though, where we, we had a little bit more of a, you know, we each kind of had a well-known guy and then a lesser-known guy at a position. I had Jonathan Mingo, who's not too widely known for a wide receiver and you had you know yeah downs josh downs thank you i was i don't know why i was drawing a blank and i couldn't read your sheet from here but you had josh downs who's a little bit more well-known explosiveness and all that and then running back situation is flipped where i have tank bigsby who's one of the top guys expected to go probably around the third round and you had 
Israel Abanacanda. Yep. Who's a little bit of a later round pick, might go in fourth, fifth round, like you said, but could be a guy like you said who's like Isaiah Pacheco, where he's just underrated on what he is, but he gets drafted to a team that needs him, maybe a team. He has, I say, like the Falcons he comps similarly to Pacheco based off like size and speed, but production wise, he blows Pacheco out of the water. Right, Pacheco. I don't it never had a thousand yards. I Man, I can look this up. No, I doubt he did. But he wouldn't. I don't. Yeah, you don't. Need, I'm, I'm we'll let you double check that. I'll try to fill up Buster here for a second, but yeah, like that's why he'll go probably higher. Like I said, it it depends. This is just, it's a deep running back class. You know what I mean? We were talking about the guys last week, Tajay Spears and Chase Brown. I remember I was asking, I was like, well, where are these guys going to go? Because we were talking about them as you know possibly going on the third day, so like fourth round picks. And I'm like, these are you know two really impressive running backs here. And then we went through all the guys where it's like you know. It was Roshan Johnson and Tanks Bigsby and Zach Evans, Devin Achain, Kenny McIntosh, all those guys as well. And with that and the running back free agent market, especially some of the guys are being signed, it just might be, you know, some of these guys might get pushed down even further. And I feel like wide receiver is a, is a bigger need for a lot of teams right now than running back is necessarily for teams. Yeah, we saw that with the uh... – with the contracts, the running backs just signed a free agency. I mean, we'll get into that in the next episode. But yeah. um, even the so-called top-tier running back free agents weren't drawing much money at all. No. But we'll wrap this up then with the last player we got here for the day. It won't go as long. We got Luke Musgrave, tight end out of Oregon State. A little bit of a lesser-known guy again at the position. Some people know him and really like him. Some people... Don't know as much about him because he didn't play much. Essentially, he got Productive wiped out. when he's on the field. Yeah. 2020 was wiped out by COVID. 2022, he had a knee injury, I believe it was, that limited him to only two games. But I did watch the two games that he played in 2022, and he looked really good. He he was snatching the ball out of the air with his hands. I didn't have anything where I watched him. It felt like he was trying to catch it with his body. He reaches and plucks that ball out of the air. He's more like a wide receiver at the tight end position. Hangs onto the ball through contact. There's a lot of times where he's getting hit as he's making the catch or going to the ground and manages to hold onto that ball. Downside to him, though, is there's not a lot of yak, and there's some question about his ability as a blocker. So his play strength has a little bit of question to it, but he wouldn't be a blocking tight end. He'd be more of a pass-catching tight end for a team to get him, which would give him some value. It's going to depend how teams feel on him because, again, he only played two games last year and most of 2020 is wiped out by COVID. So he really only had 2021 where he played a significant amount of games. And he was productive while he was out there, but nothing like mind-blowing. So it's one of those things where there's a lot of potential, but he's probably going to need a little bit of time to develop. So, again, most tight ends aren't going to make an impact in year one. They rarely do. But he does have the potential to emerge as a pass-catching tight end for a team if they want to take the chance on him and bring him in. So keep an eye out on where he goes. Okay. okay. Was he on your radar at all? Did you heard anything he, about Luke Musgrave? Yeah, the, the tight end class. Um, Musgrave I'm familiar with Washington a bit. Um, I'm a big fan of Dalton Kincaid. Um, but, yeah, I, I picked up on um, – you know, I'm a degenerate when it comes to college football. So I, I, I found Musgrave on my uh, my late night uh, Pac-12 after dark uh, football games that go on until one, two o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, he's a good player. I like Musgrave. Um, 
ran a four six one at the combine. His ten yard split was a one five four. That was better than all those other guys we're talking about. You know, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, uh, even your guy that you mentioned before, uh, Kuntz, Zach Kuntz. It's better ten yard split than that. Thirty six yard on the vertical jump again, another good one. 10, th- 10 foot three inches on the broad jump just test it well at the combine he's got all he's got the size he's got the explosiveness he's got all the athleticism again it's just a matter of can they increase his play strength to get him to be a better more efficient blocker to get him on the field and can he stay on the field yeah. that too that's another one but when he's on there he's productive you know so just something to keep an eye on uh Anything else we got as far as anything we want to mention before we get out of here for the day? That's all we have for the rookies at the moment, right? Yeah, that's all we have. Any final thoughts? Anything about March Madness or free agency? Anybody want to go in a darkness retreat? No, dude. Uh, Did we talk about last time the meme about Aaron Rodgers being the GM? Aaron Rodgers being the GM of... The Jets, the quarterback of the, <laughs> of Packers, the Packers, and the owner, and the owner of, the of the Bears. I enjoyed the so. I don't get. I don't get anything else. All right then, we'll come back in a little bit with Aaron Rodgers multi hyphenate. <laughs> we'll come back next time with some free agency stuff. There's going to be a, quite a lot of that, so we'll probably split that into two episodes. Of, focus or center it around I guess the quarterback positions because that's where a lot of the other things revolve around and then we'll get into the more secondary stuff in the next part talk about Lamar Jackson maybe in the meantime if we can't get something get together here but until next time I'm Brian McNichols Rich Hill Mike Coyle later